Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon, and as always, we've got a great show for you this week. This week, we're talking about uh, light and laser and energy treatments. The show is called Light Up Your Life, the latest in light, laser, and energy treatments. And we're privileged to have a fantastic guest that's uh, with us today, Dr. Jeffrey Kenkel. Dr. Kenkel is a board-certified plastic surgeon who practices in Dallas, uh, Texas, and uh, he is uh, president of the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. Uh, one thing I want to bring up today is uh, I want to start the show with something a little bit off topic. We've talked about businesses like Lifestyle Lift and, uh, and things like it. And I think I've mentioned Strax on the show before. Strax Rejuvenation is a business that's down here uh, in South Florida that offers... Uh, Cosmetic surgery, among a, a host of other services, and we talked about their uh, their history. And to, to be brief, their history up until recently, they had a total of four known deaths in a two-year period. Well, I'm sad to report that on Thursday of last week, just a, a couple days ago, they made it five. There's been another death at Strax. Uh, Strax Rejuvenation in South Florida. And uh, it's my understanding from a reliable source that the patient was undergoing fat transfer and during the procedure began to lose the amount of oxygen in her blood. It's called oxygen saturation. Um, the, uh, the patient's oxygen saturation started going lower and lower they tried to resuscitate her and were unable, and, and unfortunately, this patient died in the facility on Thursday. And that makes five deaths in somewhere between two and three years. The problem that, that we see with these things, we talk about it all the time on the show. Number one, you really ought to be doing your homework before going to have a procedure done and make sure that you're seeing a few board-certified plastic surgeons. And, and it's always been my advice uh, that... You should try and and stick with someone who's in private practice. The uh, there's a difference between a business that provides cosmetic surgery and a, an aesthetic surgery practice. It, a big difference in terms of what comes first when you're looking at at a private practice of a plastic surgeon, a board certified plastic surgeon. That's a medical practice first, and a business as a far and distant second. You're looking at a business that's owned by business people that contract doctors. It's a business first, and uh, it it's it's a medical practice second. And you really have to consider that. You take a look at track records. Uh, shockingly. This death has not yet been reported in the press. And I understand uh, also from reliable sources that the family of this patient had initially contacted one of the local news networks, in fact, local Fox News, and they were set up to do an interview and at the last minute rescinded. They pulled back, did not want to do the interview. There's a lot of intimidation 
that may have taken place. And I, this, this is my conjecture. I can't say that it, it did or didn't, but it, it certainly could have been intimidation uh, there. It, maybe it's under the advice of an attorney that they uh, chose not to uh, speak about on with the news. It, maybe they just wanted to keep it private. But the important thing is that people know. And, uh, you know, I'm here reporting it, probably the first report uh, on any form of media. And I, I hope that it gets picked up by local news and even national news, because these are the sort of things that need to be in the public eye. You know, we, on New Reflections, we always say, do your homework, see board-certified plastic surgeons, and make good choices. And when you're looking at a facility that has five deaths in less than three years that are known, as uh, perhaps others that are unknown, that's a shockingly high death rate for some for a facility that's uh, performing plastic surgery, and you can look at, you can learn more about this if you want to take a look at my blog. You can go to uh, dr rubenstein.com and look at my blog. I've written a blog article about the statistics prior to last Thursday. I'll be entering a new blog article looking at the new statistics given this most recent tragedy. Now, I want to move on to today's topic. Today's topic is Light Up Your Life, the latest in light laser energy treatments. And I mentioned uh, we have a fantastic guest joining us. And we're going to talk about light treatments, laser treatments, all sorts of energy treatments, like radio frequency, ultrasound, there's acoustic wave. One of the interesting things, when you look at statistics, most recently the American Society for Aesthetics and Plastic Surgery released their 2011 statistics. And our guest, Dr. Kinkle, is the president of ASAPS. It's interesting that... IPL, or intense pulsed light, is now in the top five non-surgical treatments. It's really the, the first time one of these non-surgical and minimally invasive type of treatments has hit the top five in the non-surgical treatments. I, I don't believe IPL's ever been on the list before, and I think we're going to see an increasing trend. It's certainly something people are very interested in. I, I talk about it in my office with many patients every week. So let's get talking about it now. I want to introduce Dr. Jeffrey Kenkel, again, board-certified plastic surgeon, president of the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, and absolute expert in non-surgical and, and many surgical techniques as well. But today, non-surgical, uh, non-invasive or minimally invasive light, laser, and energy treatments. Dr. Kenkel, welcome to New Reflection. Thank you, Adam. Um, you know, before we get started, I can't help but comment on, on what you opened up with. I think it's a great message that you're sending to really encouraging patients to do their homework when it comes to uh, doing these procedures. I mean, there, there is an economic concern, and I think you don't want to cut corners for economic reasons, particularly when somebody is um, going to be operating on you for an elective reason. And you highlight, yeah, well, you highlight there's, the reasons there's for no that. Question. And, you know, obviously the facility where these procedures are being performed needs to be accredited by an appropriate body. You know, you want to be able to have an appropriate relationship with a physician, um, and some of these types of uh, relate, um, entities don't even have those relationships. You don't even meet the doctor who's working on you until the day of surgery. Oftentimes, there's misleading advertising. You come in recognizing that there's going to be a specific price for a procedure, and then you get in there and they tell you, oh, well, you're not a candidate for that. You need this. So I think yeah. it's great that you're raising awareness about this because it is a real problem that we have right now. Well, you know, we talk about it all the time on the show. I think we have a moral and ethical responsibility just as members of the aesthetic surgery community at large to make sure the public understands that people know what the choices that they're making. And I hope that the press locally does pick it up because it's just so important to make sure people are aware because 
sooner or later, this, this is just water under the bridge. People will forget, and then you know the next crazy promotion of you know one area of lipo and get one boob free uh, is is just going to lure more and more people into the facility. You don't want to go necessarily to the cheapest price in town. You want to go and find the best value for your money. And you know I, I always bring this up. This be the last that we'll make, and we'll go on to the the, the energy treatments. But I always tell folks if you needed a cardiac bypass operation or you needed brain surgery. The last thing you do is go shopping around for the cheapest price. Why should your face and your body be any different? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we don't want to commoditize what we do, and that's certainly what's happening. Yeah, well, it's happening by default. But you know, keep it safe. Everyone listening, keep safe. Do your homework. Always, you know, we always talk about that. Make sure you do your your homework and see a few people, and make sure you're getting good value, not the cheapest price. Because sometimes when you take the cheapest price. You get a lot more than you bargained for. But now let's talk about good value. Folks are, are coming into my office, and they're coming into offices all over the country, looking for options that are not surgical. Sometimes it's because surgery is a little more expensive than they can afford at the time. Sometimes it's just a fear of having a procedure. And sometimes it's just they're, they're looking for maintenance, and they're not really looking to have something that's going to be a, a more advanced choice for them. And thankfully, more and more options are becoming available. You know, and recently, uh, Dr. Kenkel presented uh, and, and pr- continues to present all the latest and greatest options in these non-surgical technologies. And there's just so much out there. Why do you think this is such a hot item in plastic surgery? Well, I mean, I think you highlighted several of the important reasons. I mean, number one, there's just there's just a group of people out there that just aren't ready to have surgery or may not ever want to have surgery, and I think they are looking for other alternatives. Uh, recognizing, I think it's important that they recognize that, you know, they're not going to be able to achieve a surgical result necessarily with some of these devices, but, but that's okay. I think as long as the expectations are realistic and the doctor is able to, to help uh, establish those with that patient, then, then patients can understand that it's not, it's not a surgical result that they're looking for. I mean, you, you brought up IPL, and you're right. This is the first time that we've seen intense pulse light um, in the top five of our non-surgical procedures. And, you know, this is, I don't know about your practice, Adam, but this is still probably the most popular treatment that we do in the office. And the reason is, is because IPL treatments are really the only treatment that I can offer that addresses reds and browns in the skin and can do so with relatively minimal downtime. I mean, it does require usually a series of treatments, and then ultimately I think patients do benefit from some maintenance perhaps over the years, once or twice, especially if they have redness. But, you know, it's a procedure where you can come in, have the procedure done in five or ten minutes. You might have a little redness for 15 minutes. You can certainly put makeup on afterwards if you need to. And over the course of time, you just gradually see a more homogeneous appearance to the skin and and really a, a slight improvement in the texture all with really out without having any uh, downtime. So now that, and that's the key. I think there's a lot of folks that, that are drawn by the idea of having something done, improving the way they look, and accepting the limitations. I mean, we're going to talk about this as we get to some of the skin tightening options. But you know, these non-surgical treatments are not surgical substitutes. It's just a different option. But people like it because there is far less or maybe no downtime with some of these treatments. And, and that's a big draw for folks. They're able to come in, they have busy lifestyles, get things done, and not have to hide from their work or hide from their friends or family while they're recovering. So that's a, that's a big draw. Absolutely. You know, when we see patients 
we uh, we talk to them about what their goals are, and I also talk to them about what how much downtime they're willing to accept, and that may narrow the focus of the options that that patient has. If a patient just can't afford to have downtime, then surgery may not be as much of an option for them, and they may have to look to other things, recognizing that there may be some limitations with them. And, you know, these treatments we're talking about, they're not just uh, options apart from surgery. We're especially talking about IPL. Uh, I love IPL like you do. I think it's a very good procedure. I agree. Reds and browns can greatly be reduced. Rosacea, sunspots, even melasma can be lessened a little bit. And I, I particularly like it sometimes after a facelift. When you've done a facelift and you've got the skin now firm and redraped, you can get rid of some of the rosacea and the reds in the skin. If there are any sunspots or age spots still remaining, really polish the appearance of the skin after you've made it firm with surgery. So I think it's a good adjunct, not only apart from surgery, but even with surgery. Absolutely. I, I mean, where you practice, Adam, you know better than I do that you know, surgery is going to address some volume changes and some laxity of the skin, but it's not going to address necessarily the surface of the skin. And you can re- rearrange that and have a patient's skin look better or the shape look better, but the surface of the skin not look better. So usually um, doing these types of procedures is an adjunct, even in, in, with surgery. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let, let's get into it a little bit. Speaking about doing things with or without surgery, a lot of people come to my office and they'll be asking about a facelift. And uh, really what they're looking for is a textural improvement. They don't really have a lot of skin hanging or skin laxity. What they want is to just make the skin look a little firmer or take away some fine lines. And one thing that's really exciting, I think, has become really the industry standard these days is fractional CO2. Yeah, I think we do have a lot more options today uh, with regard to uh, skin surface than we, than we had in the past. You know, fractionated lasers, uh, specifically fractionated CO2 lasers, have, have evolved a good deal from the mid-'90s when we were doing full, what I would call full ablative CO2 resurfacing. The, uh, the risk for developing um, loss of pigment after the treatment is significantly reduced compared to what it was, uh, you know, nearly a decade and a half ago. So I think in some in select patients, this is a good option to help with some surface changes. I think others may benefit from a, even a more aggressive uh, uh, resurfacing approach, perhaps with erbium. Uh, and I kind of tailor what the op, what tool I use to pe- uh, based on what the, the patient's needs are. Yeah, of course, of course, we're always choosing. So we'll talk about these these choices and. Just getting some of the latest in laser treatments. We're going to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about laser treatments and all the newest technology available for you without surgery here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. 
People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Christine. I'm here with Dr. Jeffrey Kenkel, and we're talking about laser treatments, and we're going to be getting on to light and energy and all sorts of options. When we went to the commercial break, we were just talking about fractionated CO2, and uh, the idea of fractionated lasers came around uh, originally from a company called Fraxel, who had the idea. Here's the idea behind fractionated lasers. In the old days, in the old days we're talking, you know, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, whenever we did a laser treatment of any kind, we were treating the entire surface of the skin where we were providing the treatment. So for a CO2 treatment, the CO2 laser has really been the gold standard for a long time of, of resurfacing, where you're moving the outer layers of skin and allowing it to heal from the bottom up so that you're coming in smoother and firmer. Well... The old days, CO2 laser would have been used on the entire surface of the skin. And now, with fractionated lasers, the idea is that, well, maybe you don't have to treat the whole surface of the skin. You can treat it with just a bunch of little dots. You have this array of little dots with spaces between. And those spaces are untreated portions of skin. The result is that those untreated portions of skin allow for much faster healing, but you're still covering a significant percentage, 85, 90, 90 plus percent of the skin, while still leaving that small percentage of skin untreated. And that leads to much faster recovery. In the old days, we used to take two, three weeks to heal the initial treatment, and then you'd be red for two or three months as it slowly faded. Well, with the fractionated technology, most patients are healed within a week. And you might be pink or maybe a little bit red, for another two or three weeks after that as it fades slowly. So much faster healing. And, you know, Dr. Kinkel, you were mentioning you're still using erbium, uh, which I, I assume is not fractionated. What other options in laser technology are on the cutting edge? What's the latest? Well, there's so many different devices out there. I mean, it's, it's confusing to patients and physicians alike. Um, you know, you brought up the whole the concept uh, and principles of fractionated lasers and you know, Rox Anderson is a dermatologist up at, at Harvard that, that developed the principle, and it makes a lot of sense. I think the, the analogy that I like, it's, it's similar to kind of aerating your lawn. You're creating a bunch of holes and then allowing what's left to, to heal. I think what people like myself and others who do have a, a lot of experience with lasers have been really trying to work on is where that happy medium is. How much skin do you have to leave behind to have that protective effect and have less downtime but still get the same results. And, you know, I can, 
I can tell you we're close. We may not be 100% there, uh, but uh, I think that we are getting closer to, to really what the, the ideal treatment settings would be. Um, you know, and I think the other thing, Adam, before we start talking about the technology too, is we, we have to just talk about good skin care. And really, one of the things I try to encourage my patients, if they do anything when they leave the office, is to get themselves on a skin care regimen. We can do these treatments, and a lot of times they'll, they'll have a significant improvement, but maintenance is, is really critical. And, and being on products like Retin-A, which has been around for several decades, is probably the most studied anti-aging agent that we have out there, is going to allow patients to, to heal better and ultimately get the best possible result. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's important, uh, if nothing else, if you're not using any kind of skin care, make sure you're using sunblock at a bare minimum. The vast majority of aging that we see in skin is sun damage. Absolutely. And, you know, especially down here, I know you're in, you're in Texas and Dallas, you have plenty of sunny days, just like we do here in South Florida. The majority of the aging that we see is all related to sun exposure. So if you do nothing else for your skin, use sunblock. And particularly after one of these type of treatments, it's very, very important to protect yourself from the sun. But doing good maintenance, as you said, Dr. Kenkel, is so important to kind of head things off at the pass. If you're doing good maintenance, then you'll have less issues to deal with as the years go by. So very, very good advice as a foundation to begin. Now, once we're looking at laser treatments, we talk about fractionated CO2 in terms of laser treatments. In the resurfacing realm, where we're trying to uh, improve bad texture of skin, other than fractional CO2, any other exciting lasers available? Well, I think that... Uh there are many companies that have fractionated CO2. There's actually a couple companies that have fractionated erbium. So, again, um, using similar principles but using a different type of laser, a different wavelength of laser. So one might ask, well, what's the difference between CO2 and erbium? I think in its simple form, erbium lasers are going to be attracted more to water in your skin, whereas with the CO2 lasers, we're going to have a little bit more heat put into the skin, now, heat is a good thing, and heat can be a bad thing, too. So when we put heat into the skin, you do get some contraction of that skin and, and perhaps even a little bit better result. The potential problem with heat is that you can lose pigment um, and certainly increase your recovery to some degree. So we have to kind of take the good and the bad and try to figure out how, how we can get effective treatments without necessarily having the downside to it, and that's where I think fractionated CO2 lasers have have allowed us to use the CO2 technology with, with less um, risk, let's say. Um, sure. And I still think that a full erbium resurfacing and, and tools like dermabrasion, which has been out for many decades, are still being used by many plastic surgeons um, because they're, they're reproducible, they have very good endpoints, and I think that the physician that's doing that has a, a vast experience with it and knows how to reproducibly use it in their practice. Absolutely. I love dermabrasion. I actually consider dermabrasion the real gold standard for resurfacing because, and dermabrasion, I want to make a point for those of you listening, dermabrasion is not microdermabrasion. Microdermabrasion is either, it used to be crystals, and these days, rather than crystals, they're just using sort of a rough surface wand with a little bit of suction at the tip that draws the skin up into the wand as they rub it against the skin. It's sort of like sanding down the surface of the skin uh, fairly gently. That is not dermabrasion. That's microdermabrasion. And all it's going to do for you is remove the outermost layers of skin, something called the stratum corneum, which is a protective layer on the outer part of the skin, 
that is sometimes the culprit that makes your skin look dull or waxy or gives it a little bit of a rough texture. But if we're looking at reducing wrinkles and smoothing out fine lines, microdermabrasion is not going to do that for you ever. You have to get into deeper layers of skin and get past the endodermis into the dermis to get that kind of result. And if you're doing that, you're going to have some bleeding. That's kind of how it goes. If you're bleeding after microdermabrasion, something's gone horribly awry. So it's just not designed to get deep enough to help your wrinkles. It will give you a nice bright glow to your skin and make it feel super smooth. So it's a nice treatment to have, but it's not going to do anything for your wrinkles. However, dermabrasion. Dermabrasion is probably the most effective way to treat wrinkles, and it leaves the control of how deep you go or shallow or how much you can blend the areas in the doctor's hand. And if you have experience with it, as a, as a physician, you're going to feel very comfortable doing it. If you're looking for the absolute best in uh, aggressive resurfacing, sort of bad acne scarring and the like, I think, it, in my opinion and in my hands, the abrasion really has the best results. And looking at uh, full-face erbium, again, it's another tool that, uh, like dermabrasion, if you have the experience, you can get great results. Looking at the latest technology, I think fractionated uh, CO2 lasers have made resurfacing in the office a little more tolerable for patients, a little more mainstream, a lot more people willing to do it because of the shorter recovery time. And I'll tell you, dermabrasion, that's long recovery time. It's just the old-fashioned recovery time where you're looking at about two weeks, sometimes a little longer, for initial healing, and it can take you know, quite a while for the, the pink or red color to fade, but the results are going to be worth it for the right patient. And you mentioned heat and that the, the CO2 laser creates heat, and that causes that can help the skin firm up a little bit. Let's talk about skin tightening. There's a lot of new technology out there that's good for firming up the skin, and why don't we begin with radio frequency. What can you tell us about radio frequency machines, you know, what's out there, and, and what do you think has been showing promise? Well, um, skin tightening has hit kind of a a new level. There are, as you mentioned, there are several devices that are out there. If you look at uh, the gold standard in skin tightening, it it probably is the device called Thermage, which which used monopolar radio frequency. Thermage was approved by the FDA back in 2004, and so it's been out for a good seven, nearly coming up on eight years. Um, It's gone through several different iterations, the concept is to, to apply heat to a specific depth of the skin and then rely on your body's uh, healing mechanisms to um, cause some contraction of the collagen and elastin fibers within our skin and then ultimately produce more so it thickens the skin. Um, I think the big problem with many of the, the skin tightening devices has been reproducibility and consistency. Um, and I think that we're seeing that somewhat today as well. There's been several new radio frequency devices that have been introduced over the past two years, and now there's a focused ultrasound, which, interestingly enough, is, is using fractionated ultrasound, a concept that we just talked about, um, to cause these uh, small little areas of injury. It is, um, I think it is undergoing a lot of investigation. I think as physicians are getting more experience, we're getting a little bit more consistent with our results. And again, these, the patients that are candidates for this, uh, these procedures are going to be potentially different than those that may require a facelift. In general, I think the skin quality has to be a little bit better. Certainly, uh, you know, uh, skin that's very thin and somewhat uh, atrophic and perhaps had a lot of exposure uh, with a significant amount of laxity may not be a patient who is a good candidate for these types of procedures. 
I think overall so, that, that the general concept is heat is going to be applied to the tissues and then the body's healing process is going to allow in, in a couple of months to, to get some improvement. How much improvement are we seeing? You know, I would say, at least in my hands, we're seeing on a consistent basis probably somewhere between 20 and 30% if I had to be objective about it, that, that kind of change. So let, let's talk about what that means because, you know, we as doctors, we always talk about percentages and try and put numbers on things just to be able to talk to each other about it. But the average person, I don't know if they can envision what 20% improvement really is. But let's say, you know, if you have a patient that's got uh, a lot of skin hanging in the neck, as you mentioned, it's probably not someone that should be having these type of treatments to try and firm things up because it's just not going to give you that kind of improvement. But let's say you've got someone that just has a little bulge in the lower neck, maybe a little bit of laxity, uh, someone who's in the age is, you know, 40 to 50 years old, just starting to see things softening up, maybe a little bit of, of laxity in the jowls, things getting a, a little bit looser than they used to be. Not someone who's ready for a facelift. How much improvement, are we going to see them go back to what they were 10 years prior? Or is it going to tighten up to where you don't see the skin hanging anymore? No, that's, that's a very hard question to answer, and, I, and I, I struggle with it every day because, you know, some of the things that we can do, um, we, you know, we can be consistent with how we treat our patients the one thing that we don't necessarily have any control on is how they respond and how they, uh, how they heal. So sure. in, the, in the patient that you described, I, it sounds like that patient would be really the ideal candidate for a procedure like this. And, and what I usually tell those patients is that these types of procedures should improve the jawline and make it sharper. Is it going to be like they were back in their 20s and early 30s? That's hard to say. I mean, on occasion I see that, but I wouldn't say I see that all the time. Um, more often, more often than not, we're just we're looking for a little bit of tightening where it's, it's going to be visibly better than it was before, but maybe not as much as they'd really like to have. That's right. That's right. Okay. So that radio frequency. Name some devices. What are some of the latest machines coming out with radio frequency? Well, you have um, the uh, as I mentioned, Thermage is, is the one that's been out there the longest and has the longest track record. Uh, Pelavel is, is a company that's been out and had, has had approval for since 2009, and as has Exilis. And these two companies do use um, uh, heat, and they, they're not only treating the face, but there's been some reports that they're treating uh, skin laxity in other areas, say arms or abdomen or what have you. Um, there is a, a new, new device that I believe just got approved called the Venus Freeze, which uses radio frequency in combination with an electromagnetic field, which is, inter- which is an interesting concept. There's been a lot of basic science research looking at the effects of electromagnetic field on wound healing, all of which have been positive. So this That's device- interesting. So now we're, we're getting back to mesmerizing people, huh? Exactly, exactly. So this device <laughs> uses um, bipolar radio frequency, which means between two different heads and then right. some type of electromagnetic field. I, I don't have any experience with, with that. So this is really, I've heard of the Venus Freeze. Uh, I've been looking at it for, I think it's been around for almost a year that, that they've been making it available to you know, kind of look at. And I guess the, the FDA approval, now we'll see more and more use. It'll be interesting to see if the electromagnetic influence improves the radio frequency results. Uh, a lot of times some of the best devices have more than one way of doing things and, and it get a, a, summer, a sum effect, you know, get everything together and you get this summation of all the different effects and it improves the end result. What I'm thinking of mostly right now is something like VelaShape, who was one of the first 
machines to come out that had a, a number of different modalities in the way of uh, it used radio frequency energy and infrared heating as well as kneading the skin with uh, the roller mechanism that we see in uh, endermology. And uh, what are your thoughts on VeliShape and infrared heat adding to the mix? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't have any personal experience with it. I've certainly looked at uh, the technology, and I think that uh, they've shown some promising results. You know, one of the problems we have here, Adam, is that there's there's just not a lot of good objective data, and as physicians, we always like to see good objective data to validate technologies and procedures, and this is an area, a lot of these technologies that we're talking about today just don't have a lot of good science behind them. So Yeah, that's a great point. You know, One thing I should make clear, we're talking about some of the latest and greatest, and we call it that just because it's a, a nice catchphrase. But the truth is, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff here that's so new that we don't really have solid information or have, have a trend that we can point to and say, yeah, this is the kind of result you can expect. And, and as Dr. Kenkel mentioned earlier, there's a wide variety of, uh, of results that uh, we can see, uh, and, and it's going to vary. And we, we can't possibly have experience, personal experience, with all the technology because this stuff is very expensive to have, and you just can't get everything new in your office. It's not cost-effective. It's just not feasible. So we do get experiences by talking to colleagues and reading reading the most recent papers and results and looking at presentations. But you, know, you have to look at all the new technology at first with a bit of a skeptical eye, even as a patient looking at it and waiting to see if it can produce consistent results. Because at the end of the day, you have to make the choice whether you're going to invest your hard-earned money and go through the process of having treatment to try and get the improvement that you're seeking and a lot of times it'll work out very, very well. And sometimes it's just not going to give you what you'd hope you'd get. And you want to do your homework and make sure you have the best information. That's why we're here uh, at New Reflections trying to give you the, the most recent information so you can help understand what's available. Now, you mentioned personal experience. I understand that you are one of the lead investigators, if not the lead investigator, on that new ultrasound uh, technique you were talking about. Can you tell us a little bit about Ulthera and the Ulthera treatments? Sure. Yeah, we we are uh, kind of in the middle of a, our second study with them. I don't have any financial interest in the company. I've just done some research with them. Um, and we did a study uh, back uh, about, I guess, about 18 months ago. We treated about 100 patients. And I think our results, about two-third of our, two-thirds of our patients had improvement um, at that initial study. But it was very clear that I think we were under-treating patients. We weren't applying enough energy. So that's really what this next study has been about. We're we're using about a third more energy. um, And I think with that, we're getting a little bit more consistent results. As we mentioned, it's it's using that fractionated principle that we talked about before, but using ultrasound instead of laser energy. And you're creating these small little focal areas of injury at a specific depth. There's actually three different depths that you can treat. You can treat right below the skin, kind of at the deep portion of the skin, and the, the third area is kind of in the mid portion of the skin. So, um, And the principle, the principle here is the same as, as the other technologies. It's just using ultrasound instead of radiofrequency to generate the heat in those tissues. Is that right? That's exactly right. It's okay. a totally different mechanism. And the thought is when you use laser and radiofrequency, and if your goal is to drive the energy deep into the skin, you've got to start with a higher energy at the surface to drive that energy deep. 
And that's why a lot of those devices have a cooling mechanism to try to protect that surface. Now, with ultrasound, you don't need that because you can focus the, ultrasound, the sound waves at a specific depth. So there, in theory, there's going to be less heat uh, at the surface of the skin, which may translate to, to less discomfort. That being said, almost all of the procedures that, uh, that are skin-tightening procedures do involve some degree of discomfort, and there's a lot of different ways that we deal with that. Okay, and uh, so this old therapy, you're saying you're, you're basically in your second round of trials with the new, uh, the newer settings, but I've seen some, you know, just a matter of fact, just last week, uh, someone came in with an Ulthera brochure and was showing uh, some of the results. And I have to say, I saw results in an abdomen that were pretty darn impressive. And, uh, you know, one thing that we mentioned, we did mention this earlier, kind of looking at the results with a critical eye, but, uh, you know, when something is that impressive, even if you have variations of it, it seems like it might be a great choice for people that, Maybe you aren't ready for a tummy tuck. Maybe they had some liposuction uh, of the tummy or other areas of the tummy, maybe under the neck, uh, under the chin rather, in the neck. And the skin didn't tighten in as much as we'd like, but uh, it's done well. Maybe this is a great alternative, a great option after having liposuction with a little bit of loose skin. Maybe it's a great alternative for someone not even uh, going through liposuction. What are your thoughts on that? You, you, I'm sure treated both types of patients. Absolutely. I think, uh, first of all, whenever we, uh, we go on a company's website or see a brochure, I mean, they're always, you know, going to show us the best possible cases. So I think it, patients should certainly understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the common result. But with, with that, I think you've brought up two really interesting types of patients. One of them is the patient with a little bit of maybe early skin laxity that may be related to pregnancy or, or what have you, but still the skin quality is reasonable. These may be patients that might benefit from these skin tightening devices, not only in the face, but also in other areas. And I think there's a lot of different people that are, are trying to investigate that. The second group is actually very interesting as well, and it's the patient that's had surgery, whether it be a facelift or perhaps a body contouring procedure, and has a little bit of laxity of the skin. And uh, I've treated several patients who've had facelifts and at three to five years may have an early recurrence of laxity in their, their neck area or even along their jawline, I think these patients may be really good candidates for these types of procedures, especially as we start to get a little bit more information on how best to achieve these results. So now you've, you've personally looked at or, or tried out lots of this new skin tightening technology. In your opinion, what do you think shows the most promise? You know, if you had to put all your eggs in one technology basket because you want to, you're going to choose one thing to have or one, one type of treatment to offer, which of all these choices in skin tightening do you think really represents where we're going to be in the future? You know, I think anything that's very specific to its target is going to be probably something that we're going to see in the future. I'm less uh, enthused about things that apply more global heat uh, that we can't necessarily control the, the, uh, the target. Uh, so, you know, without naming names, I think that these devices that are going to be very specific for where they want to try, try to create a small little injury within the skin are, are, are probably tools that we may be able to use a little bit more specific in the future than, say, perhaps something that requires a, a global heating and, and 
and general change in, in that area. Okay, well, that's, that's you know, I understand what you're saying, and because I speak doctor speak, and uh, and I hear what you're, what you're trying to point out. I think the idea is that the machines that allow us to control where and how we're treating the skin a little bit more carefully are going to be the ones that may pan out to be the better machines to choose. And so, you know, why don't we name some names? Which which machine in your mind that uh, you're most? What, tell me what you're most excited about. You know, you don't have to say what you don't like. Tell me what you're most excited about. Well, I have, you know, I think it, my research is a little biased because I've worked with the Altera device the most. I mean, I, I am excited about it. I think there's tremendous potential. I think we're just kind of breaking the surface of of where we may be able to go with this device. Um, you know, not only treat, treatment of skin laxity, but perhaps treating treating acne scars and and even maybe things like hyperhidrosis, because we can be very specific with what level we, we treat. So, I, you know, just my personal bias is probably that technology, just because I have the most experience with that. But, um, you know, and, and the other technologies I'm sure are very good. I've got, we're getting some experience with some of the other technology, but I certainly don't have as much as I do with the Altera device. It just sounds like it's able to be focused pretty well. So I guess if, if you're listening and you're, Curious about some of the latest offerings. Ulthera is one of the uh, newest FDA-approved uh, devices for various types of treatments, and you're going to see more and more indications as time goes on. Uh, of course, we talk about radio frequency. There's some infrared technology. Now, with the ultrasound, one thing that I saw that's, that's kind of interesting, there's a whole host of treatments now that are being used for body contouring without surgery. And I did see that ultrasound was one of the options with certain devices, and the idea being that using the heat, you could uh, even direct it into the fatty layers possibly and create damage to the fat and have your body kind of melt it away so that over time with, with some treatments, you might be able to melt some fat with ultrasound energy. What are your thoughts on ultrasound for body contouring? You know, I think this is an area of tremendous interest and investigation right now. And if if I had to kind of grade my level of excitement about technologies, I would be much more excited about the body contouring potential than what I've seen, at least with the skin potential, at least to date. And I think there's just a much broader group of patients that potentially would benefit from something like this. And again, so, so we're talking about fat reduction and body contouring and right. doing it without surgery. It's pretty exciting. There's tons of people interested. And uh, for those of you interested, we're going to be right back after a short commercial break. We'll be talking about all the different ways to melt the fat away with the latest technology without having surgery. We'll be back after these short messages here on New Reflections. Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. 
My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're having a great talk about all the non-surgical options for you. We talked about skin tightening. We talked about resurfacing of the skin. And now we're moving on to body contouring. And that's things like reducing fat and trying to sculpt areas, reducing bulges in the skin. And uh, I'm here with Dr. Jeff Kenkel, who is a board-certified plastic surgeon, practices in Dallas, Texas. And he is the president of the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. And we were talking when we just went to break about ultrasound technology being used to try and dissolve fat. Uh, Dr. Kenkel, tell us about that. Well, as we mentioned, I think we're all very excited about it. There's there's a, a couple of different uh, technologies that are being used in order to accomplish this. One of them is ultrasound, which we spent a little bit of time talking about today already. The other is there's a device that uses cold or uh, cold temperature to freeze the fat and liquefy it. And then there's a couple different laser devices that are out there that are that are being used to address the fat. And, you know, like we talked about with the skin tightening technology, this is not a surgical replacement. I think that the patient selection is really key in, in, the, in these circumstances. You know, it's not going to be a treatment for obesity per se, but I think in patients who have localized areas of fat that may not respond to diet and exercise or perhaps that post-surgical patient that may have a little bit of fullness in an area, these, these are very promising technologies, and we're starting to see some in this country. There's many of these devices that have been out abroad um, that we're seeing some, some pretty interesting and, and impressive results with. Absolutely. And, and I tell you, I have some, uh, a pretty good amount of personal experience with one of these devices. When it comes to ultrasound, are we still talking about the Ulthera machine? No, we're talking about a couple of different companies. So in this country, Liposonics is an ultrasound-based technology that is approved uh, for treatment, and it's it's manufactured now by Solta, which is the Fraxel manufacturer, um, and that's the main company that uses uh, ultrasound. There are a couple of other devices that are out there. Uh, Sound Surgical has something called a Vaser Shape, which uses ultrasound to kind of uniformly heat the fat. Um, so there's there's a couple of other companies that are using ultrasound in an effort to treat the fat. And then, you know, we talked about radio frequency for skin tightening. Several of those countries, uh, companies are also using the radio frequency technology to address fat as well. Interesting. So, I mean, really, again, the principle is heating it up to a point where you create damage and the fat cells die away? 
Right. I think the challenge for the companies has been you've got to drive that heat even deeper than the skin, like we were talking about, without necessarily injuring the skin. So somehow you either need to focus the energy at a deeper level or protect the skin enough so that you don't injure the skin to get that energy deep. And when it comes to ultrasound, I think the clear leader, the one that the name they always hear is Liposonics. And I think I've seen some of their early results, and it does look really pretty impressive. I think as they as they more and more experiences happen with the device, people are going to fine tune the way we use it and get more consistent and perhaps even better results. Uh, and and so I think ultrasound may prove to be, and for the reasons we talked about before, uh, the ability to focus where you're where you're putting that energy and try and limit the amount of heat you're creating. On the surface, it may be the most comfortable and maybe the most effective in the long run for treating folks this way. Now, that's all based in heat. You mentioned uh, a device that uses cold, and of course, we're, we're talking about Zeltique. And Zeltique, we've talked about on the show before, uh, Zeltique, it, in simple terms, creates f- frostbite in the fat. It uses really, really cold temperatures to chill the, the tissue down and create damage to the fat cells. And then over time, those fat cells will die off and the fat within them gets absorbed and it, it kind of reduces uh, the subcutaneous layer of fat without having to have surgery by damaging the fat and letting your body, through its natural processes, get rid of the damaged tissue. Now, they claim, again, we're getting back to numbers, 20% reduction in fat. And, you know, that is a, a pretty modest Improvement, though I'll tell you that my colleagues that have Zeltique that have been using it say that it's it's a noticeable amount of fat reduction. Have you used Zeltique yourself? No, I don't have any personal experience with, with Zeltique. Uh, I think it is an interesting concept uh, that you do see a lot of great results when you go to meetings, and, and certainly they have them on their website. Um, you know, I'm always a little bit cautious about numbers like that, and... You know, when pushed, I think that 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 20% reduction really is based on a a small study of about 10 patients, and there really weren't any controls in that study. So if you think about the things that make us lose fat, these devices are one of them, but certainly diet and exercise can be part of that. Sure. So any company that's that's evaluating technology has to have what we call a control group, and this Mm -hmm. is a group of patients that either has a sham treatment, which means they don't undergo any treatment, or they're just not treated at all. And a lot of times patients that are in studies can actually lose a little bit of weight, which obviously can affect the, the, the results as well. So we have to be careful with some of the numbers that are out there. We have to ask the hard questions, how did you arrive at these numbers? Right, um, right. And I think, I think one of the companies, you, know, you raise a great point, and I, I think it relates very specifically to another machine uh, called Zerona, which is a low-level diode laser, uh, which doesn't use heat and it doesn't use cold. It uses a photochemical reaction, meaning the light creates a change in the fat cells that allows the fat to leave the cell and get carted away. Now, this doesn't damage the fat cells themselves. It doesn't reduce the total number of fat cells. It reduces the amount of fat that's stored in them. And, you know, you talk about doing a study with controls. One of the reasons that I became interested in looking at Zerona when I first got it was that they, they had done a controlled study of about 35 patients in each group. And they looked at uh, the control group had a, 
sham treatment, and the, the treatment group, of course, had the real treatment, but they both went through the same regimen, the same treatment regimen, and uh, it was impressive. You know, the treatment group lost about three and a half inches uh, on average, and the three and a half inches, of course, are various measurements throughout the tummy, the, the thighs, etc., as compared to the group that had the fake treatment, who lost only about a half inch. And so, you know, that I thought was very impressive. And it, it was impressive to me just to see a company getting that kind of data to show that the, that the technology really is working. Because as you say, a lot of these times, a lot of these treatments are tied into getting people to do exercise. And in fact, so is Zerona. Zerona, you have to have a half hour of cardio activity a day. And if you're taking someone that never had it before, and then you put them on a half hour of cardio, well, they're going to lose some weight and in turn lose some fat. So that, you know, you have to ask, is it the device or is it the, the regimen? But when you look at a 30 some odd patients in each group and you're getting a statistically significant difference, that's a pretty impressive thing to do. And I think you're right, Dr. Kinkle, that's the kind of data we need to look for. Uh, understanding that results are always going to vary and you have to ask what's getting the result of the device or or just everything that they're going through, if you can control for that, then you really know the technology is working. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we're living in an age now where uh, industry markets directly to the consumer, and then the consumer gets excited about something and comes to the doctor to say, hey, I want this treatment. It sounds great. And I think what we've lost a little bit is that type of um, evaluation, uh, at least before some of this technology gets out there. But to be fair to the technology, too, I mean, I, when I even do liposuction procedures or even some a tummy tuck or something like that, I always tell my patients that their end result is going to be 50% what I do and then 50% what they do, mainly if you don't watch what you eat and maintain a healthy lifestyle, then you're not going to be able to achieve um, the kind of results that you want. And probably the, the technologies that we're talking about are no different than that. Oh, for sure. And I always tell my patients... It, it, they frequently this comes up with liposuction, and they'll ask, "Well, can I can I gain the fat back?" Because there's all kinds of myths out there. We did a whole show on myth busting about how the fat comes to different areas, and you all, all kinds of things people believe that aren't really true. There always comes up with this question, you know, can I still gain weight in the areas where we're doing liposuction? And I always tell folks, you know, if you sit on the couch and pop bonbons, your fat is going to come back. Uh, a single fat cell is like a never-ending storage house. For fat, it can store an almost limited amount of fat. And, of course, you have many more than just one fat cell left behind. So if you're not careful, you absolutely can gain significant amounts of fat. But most patients, if they're motivated and they're, they're spending their money and putting their time into these type of treatment, most patients are going to do their part. Now, one thing, one thing we didn't get to, um, acoustic wave. Have you any experience with acoustic wave technology? You know, I've read a, I read a fair amount about it. I don't have any personal experience with it. How about yourself? No, I haven't tried it, but why don't you tell us the idea behind acoustic wave technology? It's sort of similar to what we're doing but with a different mechanism. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, as, as you mentioned, all of our goals are to create a controlled type of injury, and so this is just using something a little bit a little bit different type of technology to establish that, and you know, I think in a lot of ways it may be similar to some of the low-level laser devices that, that many people use for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's uh, contour reasons you can use it. It's, it's, it's been used a lot in uh, recovery from pain and inflammation, from surgery, and even from arthritis. But 
Again, applying a, a controlled amount of energy over a period of time may allow the type of uh, injury that the body can heal and ultimately get get a, an improvement from. Yeah, and of course, using sound waves. This is something that almost like a little pile driver, that a uh, little mini pile driver that's just click, 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 and kind of smacking against the skin in a controlled way, creating sound waves that then propagate through the skin and, and into the fat and as I mentioned, been used lots of things other than just fat reduction and body contouring. I think in the realm of everything we're talking about, ultrasound, low-level lasers, uh, the um, cool sculpting or you know frostbite for the fat, as I call it, uh, and acoustic wave, all different means of getting the same thing done, which is getting somehow some kind of damage beneath the skin into the fat and uh, getting it to reduce. Over time, one thing to bear in mind, they work differently, so you have to choose your treatment the way that you're hoping to get your results. If you're looking for one little spot, say a pinch in the lower tummy, something like Zeltique may be good because it's used as a spot treatment. If you're looking for bigger, broader areas, something like Zerona might be a better choice. And ultimately, ultrasound, uh, the, you know, the liposomics treatments, maybe that might prove well for real sculpting because of the control you have and where the, the heat and the energy is, is applied. But we've had a great discussion. We're coming to the end of the show. One last thing I wanted to ask you, a quick word about going to people who are not plastic surgeons, board-certified plastic surgeons, looking for these kind of treatments. What's your thought about that, and how do you advise your patients? Real quick. Well, I, I think it's important to ask the tough questions. You've got to ask the doctor what their training is in, what their credentials are, what are they specifically board certified in? And you know what? I'm never offended when a patient asks me that. I actually am appreciative of that because it's just, as you mentioned, it's, it's them doing their homework. So um, there's a lot of different doctors out there that offer these types of treatments. I think you just need to make sure that the doctor is appropriately trained um, in, in that type of procedure. And you can get even specific, well, where did you get your training in this? And like I said, I think none of us are insulted by those types of questions. Uh, of course not. And, I, and, of course, my recommendation always is to see a few board-certified plastic surgeons who are certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. We're, we're out of time. and It's been a pleasure having you here talking with Dr. Jeffrey Kenkel, board-certified plastic surgeon. Dr. Kenkel, if someone in Dallas is listening, they want to come talk to you more about everything we've been talking about on the show, how do they find you? Well, they can uh, find me on our website at drkinkle.com. I'm at UT Southwestern, so um, uh, it's very easy to find us. Fantastic. And, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you can always go to surgery.org, which is the website of the American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, uh, and you can get a, a, a search there that will tell you folks that are members of the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery uh, in your neighborhoods. So you can find a board-certified plastic surgeon who specializes in aesthetic plastic surgery. I want to thank you for listening. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. We're going to be back uh, very soon with a new show talking about revision breast surgery. We'll be talking about uh, have a whole show on different Botox like options a lot coming up in the future keep joining us every saturday from 12 to 1 eastern here on new reflections i'll see you soon thanks for listening have a great week we hope you stayed informed and entertained today on new reflections please join your host dr adam rubenstein again next saturday at 9 a.m pacific time 12 noon eastern time you can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www. 
www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you.